Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you. And as I often like to do, a little preview of what's coming up. Uh, For our inbox, we have a girl who's been going on dates with a guy for about two months, uh, but neither of them has really defined the relationship. So is it best for him to say something or should she just speak up and try to get some clarity? I'm going to weigh in on that. And then for our culture, we have evangelist Nick Hall here. He has been here before, but as you know, he's very passionate about engaging the culture with the gospel. He's even been referred to as uh, kind of the next Billy Graham. That's a big title. Um, So he's going to be sharing about how you can talk to others about Jesus, even in a divided culture like we are in right now. And so... Um, We are going to talk about that with him as well as a really cool event that he has coming up as well. So here we are for our roundtable, though, and today we're going to have a fun and hopefully pretty honest discussion about what it looks like when you have to overcome the fear of what other people think. I mean, of course, this doesn't apply to me, but you know, I brought in some <laughs> folks here, you know, who they're just worried about what others think of them. But Hold no, on. I'm just teasing. So um, we have got Georgia, we have Bailey and John here. Hey, y'all. Hey. hey, Lisa. Woo woot. All right. So, I mean, who is just the worst at this? Who's like most concerned about what people think? I guess we'll have to dig uh, dig into that to, to figure it out. We'll make everyone be super honest. But, well, let's talk. I mean, I think we're all kind of like this, whether we like to admit it or not. Um, maybe some people are more conscious of it than others, um, concerned about others' opinions of us in a different, you know, different areas, probably. So let's go ahead and share first kind of what would be, you know, how this manifests in your own life? Like in what areas are you most concerned about other people, you know, thinking about you, saying things about you, you know, you want to know what their opinions are and you act based on what their opinions are. How does it play out for y'all? This definitely applies for me in the area of work. Okay. Without a doubt, I am very, very conscious about how I'm doing on the job. I always want to try to please people. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, there's been a couple of times where I'll be at the office and maybe I even walk by a meeting and literally the thought will pop in my head at times. Oh, wait, are they talking about me? Did I make a mistake or something? Uh Are they saying, oh, John needs to work on this, this and this? And then finally, I have to tell myself, John, be quiet. They're probably not even talking about you. Yeah, yeah. Or, yes. well, I I just, that makes me think too. Or you walk by it and you're like, why wasn't I invited to that meeting? Mm -hmm. Like, are they talking about me? Did they exclude me in particular? Especially if there's food. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then you're like, wow. Then you just make yourself get invited. That's what you have to work that out. Yeah. Okay, that's a good example. I say mine would probably be more personal. Like, for example, I always struggle with how to text a guy. So I Mm. constantly have to have people read my texts. Um, (laughs) I'll say, oh, my gosh, does this sound weird? Am I coming on too strong? Is he going to be annoyed by me? (laughs) Or just with friends, too. Like, it used to be bad enough where I would be afraid to text my friends because I'd be worried that they would be like, why is she texting me to hang out? And that's pretty normal. Um, people ask their friends to hang out, <laughs> but I would just get nervous about that kind of thing. But I would say I am recovering. I'm on a path of healing from caring about what others think. So <laughs> and editing, I- self-editing texts. <laughs> yeah, other people yeah right now. now I can read my own text oh. and I don't have to double check with everyone first before I send it. So we're getting better each day. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, mine would be for like relationships, like dating relationships, not, well, definitely what the guy I'm talking to is thinking about me but also like what my family thinks about him Mm. and obviously I know it's important that like my family likes him because I'm close to my family and they could probably see things that I wouldn't be able to see just because you know the rose-colored glasses and all that um but sometimes I think that I care a little too much. Like if I ask my sister, what do you think about him? Like, do you think he's nice? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's nice. But doesn't have the reaction I think she should have. Then I'm like, oh, my gosh, she doesn't like him. Like, should I like him? And really uh-huh. just like kind of spiral from there. And like Georgia said, I also will send my texts to people and be like, does this look OK? I actually did that like last night. So <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think for me, it's more along the lines of like, there are some things that I'm just 
really dumb about, but like something that I think I should know something about or be an expert in or whatever, then I feel like I kind of have to prove myself or be the person who's like, you know, I don't want to say something weird or, you know, erroneous or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, which is kind of funny because I feel like I've definitely shown that I don't know a lot of stuff like many a time. So like, why do I think that I'm fooling people? <laughs> I don't know, but it's weird. But you kind of want to be, yeah, you just want to be the person who not not like totally a know-it-all in everything, but in the stuff that you feel you should be competent in. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just yeah. like a competency yeah. issue or something like that. So yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Um, so what, I mean... Does it ever get to the point where, I mean, clearly you've noticed this in yourself, but is it ever like kind of crazy making in the sense of, well, I know, Georgia, you were kind of saying this. You got to the point where you were like going down rabbit holes of like, this text needs to be reviewed another time, you know, yeah. by by four different sets of eyes, not yeah. just, you know, two. <laughs> but um, where have you noticed that it kind of like can get a little bit out of hand where you're very concerned about what other people are thinking of you to the point where it almost starts affecting the way that you interact with people, the way that you think about others, how it plays out in daily life? Yeah, kind of like with the texting thing, just kind of going along with that. That's probably where I see it the most, especially when I'm texting a guy that I like. I'll send it to my sister, to my mom, and just be like, are you sure it's okay? Like, And they'll say it's okay, and I'll be like, but are you positive that <laughs> yeah. it's okay? So that's one thing I've really been trying to just like be like, okay, just send it. Like, it's not a big deal. He's not going to like freak out over this like little thing, like you asking him a question about his job. Like, it's not a big deal. But that's probably where I've seen it the most. Or if he doesn't text me back the way I think he's going to, then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's definitely like a problem. So (laughs) I sent my text like 10 minutes ago and he still hasn't responded. (laughs) What? He hates me. Yeah, Yeah. he's done. He doesn't want to talk to me. It's over. (laughs) No, the problem with that, Bailey, is that then you're going to like, you're getting your mom and stuff to edit all your texts. And then it's like, when he gets to know the real you, he's like, wow, that's not, uh, that's not the way you would have said it. He's like, wait like, a second. No, actually, I'm dating your mom. She and I have been texting for many months now, you know. But that's that Stacey's get... point of view, not mine. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> that could get uh, get a little awkward. So, oh, Yeah, that's wild. Okay, what about um, Georgia or John? How you feel that it's kind of gotten, I mean, has it ever gotten to the point where you feel like it's almost debilitating, like your concern for others' opinions? Oh, sorry. Yes. (laughs) I mean, yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think there's two examples specifically for me. I remember in high school and college, I am very outgoing, but I'm also kind of loud. I have a loud laugh, and that's just who I am. That's who God created me to be, and I kind of take a room, and that's just my personality. And I remember there were times where people would tell me you're being too much, you're being too loud. And it got to a point where I would walk into a room and I would have to assess like, am I going to be myself or do I need to be quiet? And so I was being quiet in spaces where I usually wouldn't be. Um, or I was saying less because I was afraid of everybody thinking I was too much or I was being too loud for a woman. And that's just not allowed. And that's when I started to kind of take note of man, you know, I don't think God made me this way for no reason. And so I'm not going to allow other people to say and dictate how I speak and act and interact with people around me. And so that was kind of one thing. But then also for me, it, it, it is a mental health thing. I have OCD. And so there are aspects of my thinking patterns that are obsessive where I would think about things. And luckily I started my journey of healing from OCD um, starting my junior year. And so that was really helpful too to finally realize that there were thinking patterns that I finally had the verbiage to understand why I had been thinking those things for so long or why I was obsessing about, you know, did I do something wrong? Does everybody, is everybody focusing on that? Um, And that's not the only aspect of OCD. That's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. But those are two examples where I was like, man, like, my life shouldn't be this hard. I should just be able to live in freedom and who God has made me to be. And I shouldn't have to be worrying about all these other voices because the only one that matters is God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see it in two areas in my life. And one is kind of to Bailey's point earlier. Sometimes if I send somebody a text message, you see those situations where you're checking to see have they read the text message <laughs> or if, uh-huh. if it's on messenger, you see their picture icon, which signifies that they've read it. It's like, Oh, uh-huh. I, sometimes I'll check myself over and over and over again. And oh honestly, goodness, yeah. maybe they just got busy and maybe mm-hmm. that's why they haven't replied 10 minutes later. Another area that I see it in is 
imagining worst case scenarios. Oh, okay. So yeah. I can be a little bit hyper vigilant at times, admittedly. And <laughs> even as the word for it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there are times where I will have to catch myself if I'm just imagining this really, really horrific scenario. And um, counseling has helped me a lot with this, where I'll be able to stop myself and say, wait a minute what kind of story am I telling myself right Mm -hmm. now? And Jeremy Keaton, who we've had on the show a number of times, Mm -hmm. has talked a lot about Mm self-talk, says that it can be really helpful to kind of flip the script a little bit. And Mm -hmm. really quoting scripture helps a lot too, Mm -hmm. because if I'm worried about something, I'm reminded of what Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Mm -hmm. So that's an area where I have to stop myself and realize, okay, if I'm Imagining a worst case scenario and my body's literally tensing up, I probably need to just stop myself and say, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how do you guys balance wrongly being concerned of what others think of you, you know, almost in the Mm -hmm. sense of like you're trying to get their approval or you're trying to like falsely construct something versus receiving good feedback and being open to others' opinions and seeking that out? How do you do that rightly with good motives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you first have to assess, like you kind of said, what is your motive behind asking the question? I think that's a big thing. Um, Are you asking it because you want to be affirmed in whatever fear or thought you're having? So a more simple one is if you wear an outfit and you think it looks really bad, if are you seeking affirmation because you want someone to say that you look good and you want them to affirm so that you feel better about the anxiety you have? Or are you just asking because you just genuinely want to know their opinion? And I think it also goes to, in more serious topics, you know, it's not a bad thing to go and ask someone who is wise or who you trust their opinion to say, hey, I'm having to make a big decision about a job or a relationship. Can you give me some wisdom and and maybe um, some thoughts on what you would do in this situation? I think those are two very different things because one is overthinking and and taking over your mind in an anxious way. And one of them is, I'm going to someone who I trust to give me a a thought about this situation. Um, And it's, I feel like they have different weight Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes. Mm. I think it comes down to like, just to echo that, like being comfortable with who God created you to be and knowing that he created you the way that you were for a reason and that he gave you your own mind. So it's okay to like make your own decisions Mm -hmm. and to maybe do something that maybe others would be like, well, maybe you shouldn't as far as like a job or something because eventually like you have to make those own decisions yourself. But it is okay to ask for advice. You just have to be able to make up your own mind at the end of the day, I think is how um, I've been looking at it recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Calling a trusted friend helps tremendously in mm-hmm. this particular area. Um, there are some people who I would trust with just about anything. There are a select handful of people Mm-hmm. But I know that if I'm going to call them, they have my best interest in mind mm-hmm. and they're going to tell me even the truth, even if it's hard to hear. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a situation where I realize I'm overthinking something, then my dad is one of my very best friends. I will call him and just tell him anything. And there's been a couple of times where he's even told me actually more than a couple <laughs> where he said, John, I think you're just taking this a little too seriously mm-hmm. and maybe you need to lighten up right now. <laughs> and yeah. hey, in the moment, that was the best advice he could have given me as our, and it helped me to realize, you know what? He's right. I just need to take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, it made me think of, um, you know, not that I, it's been a while since I've used a Jane Austen quote, but in oh. Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> where Elizabeth Bennett says of Mr. Darcy, you know, his opinion once lost is lost forever. And, and yes. that idea of like, I think we too often err on the side of like, we want everyone's good opinion. And there's no way that everyone in the world is going to like you no. at all times right. for mm-hmm. all reasons in all circumstances. And, uh, you know, you just have to realize that there there are some people out there that they are they're going to be your friends they're going to be the people that have your back and so yeah you need to seek out their opinion and ensure that yeah am i am i acting in a healthy way am i doing this you know but but you don't have to please everyone and you can't please everyone um so to that point i kind of want to turn it to the topic of relationships and dating a little bit and we already (laughs) heard from bailey and georgia about their uh, you know texting and what does this guy think of me and whatnot but let's talk a little bit about um because i feel like this played out for me in dating in the sense of like if i if relationships didn't work out 
for me, I would think of them as just an utter failure. Like it was for me, it was like I had to win at it. And you know, here I am, I'm the person on the Boundless show that says, you only need one to work people, you know, like when you get married, you're going to pick one person and put the blinders on, you don't need everyone in the world to love you. Mm -hmm. But we go after it like, oh, he didn't like me or he broke up with me. So what's wrong with me? So what, you know, we start self-criticizing when maybe it just didn't work out. So let's talk about that, about how how do you guys, I mean, would you envision yourselves getting over the fear of feeling like you're less than if just some relationship doesn't work out or doesn't even get off the ground? Yeah, I just went through this. We, t- we talked about this before, but mm. I broke off my engagement last year mm. and it was really hard. And yeah, at first it was like, oh my gosh, like how could this have happened? Like an entire year of getting to know someone and getting engaged and being like, wow, like in a couple months we're going to be married back to the finish line or to the back to the starting mm-hmm. gate, you know, and that was just like really discouraging. And it took just, you know, like looking at the lessons that I learned and counseling really helped with this and being like, wow, I feel like I've grown so much in my relationship with Christ. It helped me grow in who I am as a person. It helped me realize what I really, really do want in a relationship and what I overlooked that wasn't good in in that one. Mm. So I think it's just saying, okay, what can I learn from this? How is this going to impact me moving forward? Because nothing's ever wasted. You always learn something from it, even if it's really painful in the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think this is kind of it depends on where you're at with your journey of growth because for me I started out when I was you know had guys that I liked or that kind of thing I was very insecure and so I think what I've come to realize is you're never going to find any security or affirmation in your boyfriend or your spouse and if that's where you're seeking your affirmation then it's going to fall short and so at least in those kind of relationships I think the first thing is are you following God and are you trusting in who he has made you to be and who he has possibly placed to be alongside you? Um, and I think that helped a lot whenever I had relationships where we would be talking for a long time and, you know, they would insinuate that we were going to start dating and then for it to fall to the wayside, I used to get very, you know, downtrodden about myself. Like what was wrong with me? Like why didn't they enjoy being with me? And then I realized it has nothing to do with me. I think that's the other big thing is realizing that it's not about you and mm-hmm. quit <laughs> quit making everything about you because when I, as soon as I did that and I just realized it's not about me and it's not about that he didn't like me enough or that I wasn't good enough. It was that it just wasn't the fit and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think once you realize that, it, it makes everything so much easier because then you can go on dates or you can date a guy or in John's case, a girl. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. You clarify for you guys. Yeah. Um, but I think it's once you realize that, then it, it becomes less of this, you know, hurt whenever things don't work out. And it just becomes more of a, okay, this was just one stepping stone in the right direction. And if that direction is singleness, then okay, I continue to learn something about myself. But if that direction is finding a husband or a wife, then it's all the more worth it whenever you realize like, oh, thank God that I walked through those relationships to get to the one that God has called me to love and, and be with. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would say get out of your own way and quit thinking about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A scripture that I've shared on this program before that's really helped me a lot is first Timothy six, six. And in the context, it's talking about money and possessions, but I think it's also very applicable to this topic. And the scripture is, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm -hmm. And something that I have found that no matter how long I'm living, if I'm not living for the Lord or doing something specifically for the Lord, it's not going to bring me true lasting fulfillment. And when I'm in a strong relationship with him and I'm keeping him as my number one priority and I experience his peace, even at super low moments, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So that's what I would say about how that applies to dating. Yeah, that is that's such a good um, point to make. And it makes me think of, um, you know, it's funny, you guys were saying this about what we project as to what other people could be thinking, and we can go to worst case scenarios and, and talk this through. And I think I saw it first on um, our friend and contributor, Joshua Rogers. Uh, he had posted it on social at one point about this idea that you know, we wonder constantly what people are thinking about us. And it said it was like a meme. And it said, but the fact is, most people just aren't thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is right. true because we're so often thinking about ourselves exactly. or thinking about what other people yeah. are thinking about us. They're not thinking about us. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it is really crazy. And not that that's any super biblical application or anything, but I think it does help for us to realize that, wow, you know, I mean, God himself thinks about us all the time and thinks about us rightly and cares about us. And, uh, you know, there are so many things that are laid out in scripture that we can have confidence in and moving forward on them and acting on them and stuff. And all those other little nuances of relationships and what people may have insinuated from that, you know, obviously God's the author of truth and we can take that to the bank and know that, you know, he's got our hearts and he knows what's up. And we certainly don't want to misrepresent ourselves or, or be unclear or be unheard. But at the same time, we know that we can move forward in growth confidently, which mm-hmm. I think is a really good place to be. So you guys, thanks so much for weighing in on this. I think it's helpful for us all to just I guess we need to collectively take a breath and be okay, <laughs> you know, grow grow forward with that and realize that, you know, good conversations. I mean, sometimes an honest conversation is helpful, too, of just being getting clarity from someone of like, hey, you know, I just want to make sure you didn't take that the wrong way or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not do that every 10 minutes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for weighing in, y'all. Thank, Thank you. Yeah, you. Thanks for having us. Okay, folks, well, we are here for this week's culture segment, and I am bringing back a guest that we had here, no joke, six years ago. A lot of life has changed for many of you since then, Um, but we are very excited to get an update from him on what is going on in life and ministry. I am talking about our friend Nick Hall. Nick, welcome back to The Boundless Show. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Can't believe it's been six years. No, it's been six years. I was just saying how we feel like we were all so much younger then, and maybe we were, but whatever. We're just, we're owning it, so it's all good. Um, Well, you are, for those of you who don't remember, or you need to just, you know, archive, search Boundless, you'll see uh, the show that we did previously with Nick, but he is an evangelist, he's a speaker, he's an author. I think we even referred to him uh, last time as kind of, the next Billy Graham, uh, something that he has been introduced as in the past because he is very passionate about the gospel and sharing the gospel, especially with younger generations. Um, as part of that, he is uh, author of the book Reset and President of Pulse, uh, also president and CEO of the Table Coalition, and is part of the National Association of Evangelicals as well. Living in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but coming from, we talked about this beforehand, North Dakota. So all of our North Dakota listeners give a collective cheer because I know we don't give you enough enough love on here. It's like there are five people from North Dakota, whatever. Okay, I'm not going to diss you too much. You know, my family's there. So, um, well, Nick, I'm so grateful that we have the chance to talk about this and a super exciting event that you have coming up. This is very timely because I literally, and I'm talking about four days ago, 
uh, found on one of my streaming services, whatever, the Jesus Music documentary. And all of a sudden, they're talking about Explo 72, which is like ancient history <laughs> for many of us. But um, and most people listening weren't even born then. But uh, just a, an exciting time in the world of uh, Christianity and the church, especially for young people. Um, well, okay. So maybe now that I said that, you you have to give a little brief explanation of what that was, and we can even yeah. tie it into what we're doing uh, in this day and age. Here. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love to tell people that what we're facing today isn't that uncommon from what's happened before. Mm-hmm. There was a time of riots and protests, political division, racial tension, you know, crazy war overseas. Back then, oh, by the way, the president was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So literally in the 60s and 70s, it very much mirrors a lot of the aspects we're seeing today, including a young generation turning their back on Christianity because Christianity was being defined by what it was against. It was becoming old and stuffy. You know, they wouldn't have even guitars in the church. It was the devil beat, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And um, and yet out of that came the Jesus People Movement. It was a young generation on fire for God. They were wanting to follow the Jesus way. That's They didn't even call themselves Christians. They just said, we're the Jesus people. Hmm. And the largest gathering of the Jesus people happened in Dallas, Texas, called Explo 72, and it was epic. I'm talking <laughs> Keith Green and Larry Norman <laughs> and Johnny Cash himself showed up. That's how legendary this was. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was more than a concert. It was an equipping event led by Billy Graham and Bill Bright. It was the largest training event in American history. And this summer's the 50-year anniversary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in just a few days here, we're going to gather on the 50-year anniversary yep. because we're praying for God to do it again. You've got to commemorate that. I think I even saw uh, Johnny Cash like captured on video saying it was one of the most momentous moments in his own life and career. Yeah, he said on that. stage that event was like the highlight of his career. I mean, yeah. imagine 70,000 young people. And the reason I'm talking about it, because I wasn't born until 82. So I just turned 40. Mm-hmm. So my era as a young evangelist has officially come to an end. <laughs> and uh, yeah. but, you know, 40 the new 27. There you go. Don't I'm, worry I'm, about it. You know, that's something that people People over 40 say all the time, you know, and I'm embracing it. But that said, those kids that were trained, they took the gospel back home because that was the purpose of that event. And some of those kids were from North Dakota, which is, as you said, where I grew up. Shout out, North Dakota. (laughs) But uh, vacation destination for so many people. (laughs) Especially in January. Yeah, for sure. But those kids took the gospel home. They planned events back home. And at one of those events is where my dad gave his life to Christ. Mm. So in so many ways, I'm a product Mm -hmm. spiritually of what happened 50 years ago. In fact, my mentor was influenced at Expo 72. You know, Billy Graham ended up becoming another one of my mentors, but I'm talking pastors and leaders. Even my pastor today, I just found out we were promoting this on church at church in, in Minneapolis on a Sunday. And the pastor said, Nick, you don't know this, but I was a kid from Iowa. My Mm. life was changed at Expo 72. Mm. So literally my whole life has been impacted by something that happened 10 years before I was born. Okay, well, I'm going to make you back up here. And this is going to be a weird question. But we have people from all angles of various faith journeys who are listening. We have some people who don't know Jesus. We have some people who are just like, you know, born and raised in the church, whatever. Nick, give us just a definition, because we're going to be talking about it here. What is the gospel? And what would you see, because we just talked about 50 years ago, what today are some of the biggest obstacles to a Christian wanting to live out and share the gospel in their own spheres of influence? Yeah. So the gospel, by definition, gospel just means good news. Mm -hmm. So for a Christian, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? And I would summarize that in four points. I would say, number one, God made us uh, to know him. Like there was a Mm -hmm. creation and creator. You know, we know the story of Adam and Eve. God made us for fellowship with God. So that was beautiful. So uh, to every listener, I would tell you, you were made to know God and you were made to be satisfied by God. Mm. Point two is there's a problem. It's sin. Mm -hmm. All of us, beginning with Adam and Eve, and now all the way to my kids 
who are two, six, and nine. <laughs> Their first word they learn is mine. <laughs> and they choose things that aren't good, that aren't right, right? And all of us in our own hearts, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we have anger in our heart, we judge. The Bible says that those sins separate us from that holy God. They break that relationship that we were made for. But brings us to step three, which is the good news. Mm -hmm. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. The Bible says that sin deserves death and is ultimately results in separation from God forever. But the good news, and this is where the gospel gets this word, good news, mm -hmm. is that God literally sent his son and Jesus came and he lived the life we couldn't live. And then he died the death that we deserve. That's why we celebrate the cross. Mm -hmm. That's why we celebrate something like Good Friday that you could call a day when a man died a criminal's death and the worst death maybe ever in human history, that he felt the wrath of God, the judgment of God. We call that good because that was the day where Jesus opened the door for us, mm -hmm. which brings us to the fourth step of the gospel is that you can respond and put your trust and hope and surrender and say, man, God, I want to know you. Hmm. And through Jesus, I have a way to know you. So mm -hmm. come into my life and be my leader. So that's how I would describe the gospel. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to unpack it. That was a quicker version. Yeah. Obstacles, you said. What are the obstacles? I think the biggest obstacle for people sharing the gospel today is that people get distracted. And we get distracted instead of sharing the gospel of Jesus – we get hijacked into the gospel. Maybe people say, oh, there's good news. You should vote for this candidate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's a gospel <laughs> of a good restaurant mm -hmm. <laughs> or the gospel of a certain brand mm -hmm. or the gospel of the Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of gospels, things that we are good news people and ambassadors of that take the place of this eternal good news. So we get distracted. Mm -hmm. We talk about other things instead of the eternal things. We talk about surface things. And often we talk about things that are super divisive. Mm -hmm. You know, we say, oh, vote Trump or mm -hmm. vote Biden or do this, don't do that. You're bad because of this reason. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that kind of twists our heart where instead of being those that are ambassadors of this gospel, agents of reconciliation, we actually take on this uh, judgmental spirit. Yeah, And we point fingers at those people. Mm -hmm. But the gospel of Jesus tells me that Jesus died for those people. Yeah, I'm called to love those people too. It's fascinating because it, as you're saying that, it, it strikes me that even um, Christians can be obstacles because we have really taken in this complete influencer culture where all of a sudden we're following the person who has the latest book, the latest platform, the latest album, and we're like, well, I'm going to do what they do. And then they maybe make some mistakes or maybe they stray and then all of a sudden we're disillusioned and it's like, wow, you know, that's why we have to be so focused on getting back to the core gospel and what Jesus did. And I love the way you described it. And I even think of in the sense of, you know, not only did did Jesus, you know, purchase our ticket into a relationship with God himself and ultimately our, our heavenly home, but he gave us his record so that even here on earth, we can live in victory in light of that. And I think a lot of people um, make that mistake of not realizing that the gospel is for us every day. It's yeah. not just like a one and done thing. I think that's so, so awesome uh, to remember. So, okay, so a couple things. I mean, we have people in our culture today, and maybe even some listeners here who, you know, grew up in church, and they've never really made that heart connection of like, okay, but what does that really mean for me? Because I'm just trying to Nick, I graduate from college, I'm trying to pay off my student loans, I'm trying to just get a job, I would love to have a girlfriend, what <laughs> it just seems like life has bogged them down. But they know they, you know, they feel like, well, I think I, you know, I think I'm a Christian and whatever. And then others, um, we'll say kind of that opposite of like, oh, no, you know, me and Jesus, we're really tight, you know, Jesus and me, but I don't need the church. I don't need other Christians. How do we get to an understanding of what the church is, what the body of Christ is, and why we can in unity really be a beacon to a waiting world? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell people all the time, you know, God never made us to be alone, right? Mm -hmm. He just didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, from Adam and Eve, he didn't make us to be alone, but also the early church. He sent them out in twos, and he called us to come together. In fact, it says, I think it's in Hebrews, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, 
but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So there's something about the fellowship of believers. Now, we get this wrong. We turn it into a club, right? We turn it yeah. into uh, insiders and outsiders. But the purpose of the church is to be people on mission together, the called out ones gathering together to be vulnerable together, to be broken together, to bear each other's burdens and to remind each other and say, man, hey, your life was purchased. You are loved. God is calling you. You can do this. Your workplace, man, you're a missionary there. You're called as an ambassador of hope, right? And that strengthening, I think, sends us out, you know, to those that kind of are indifferent to it. I'll, I'll use a lot of different metaphors and examples. Let's say, man, your phone was made to do amazing things, right? I mean, anybody's phone, unless you're on an Android, then maybe I'm not sure what it was made for. <laughs> but no, but but for real, like I think there's just this reality that we are surrounded by devices that were made to do insane things. And yet we realize through experience, if you don't plug them in to the power source, they're literally just plastic and metal and it's kind of useless. Mm -hmm. And I would say in the same way, you and I and everybody listening, you were made by God to do insane things, his purposes, his plans, his spirit, his power. But if you're not connected to him, if you're not connected to the power source, far more than your phone needs a battery charge, you and I were made to house the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And until you get that, until you experience that, you're the one that's missing out on the hope and the joy. That's why Paul says the fruits of the spirit, right? This isn't just some burdensome, heavy thing. No, this is love. Mm -hmm. This is joy. This is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control that God wants to fuel you. Yeah. And it's literally the greatest adventure there is. Yeah. Well, and it's not these fruits. We don't muster them up on our own. We get them by staying plugged into the vine. Absolutely. This isn't too often we put the cart before the horse and we're like, well, I need to be loving. I need to try yes. being more patient. I need to try, you know, more self-control. But honestly, and that's why I always say when I talk to young adults, I say, man, one of my biggest hopes for you and prayers for you is to find a way to study the Bible in a way that makes sense to you. Yeah. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be some prescriptive thing of what someone told you, but get into God's word and figure out what that looks like for you. Time of day, whenever works best, you know, a, a specific study, um, just do it. Because as you said, fuel is a great way to describe that. I, I really love it. Um, okay, well, let's talk about a little bit uh, more again in the practical. You mentioned the workplace. I think a a lot of people are like, okay, Nick, I've got my faith and Jesus and I, you know, we're humming along, but I don't want to be, I mean, should I really be in other people's business? Like at my office or, you know, maybe I teach school. I can't be all Jesus this, Jesus that. What is, give a, a vision for what it looks like to be a believer who shines their light and shines the gospel in a workplace where so often the culture is telling us, you can't say that. You can't. Everyone has their own truth. That's their business. Don't yeah. go, go. Don't go proselytizing people and you know whatever. So give a little vision for that. Yeah. Well, I think the greatest vision I can give is that Jesus calls us to be friends. Mm -hmm. You know, He calls us to be friends in the body, but He also calls us to be a friend of sinners and just a friend of people in the everyday. Everybody listening, I guarantee you would love if people asked you questions and were interested in your hobbies mm -hmm. <laughs> and brought you your favorite snack. Mm -hmm. You know, like that doesn't stop when you get out of first grade. Like I still love if you give me fruit <laughs> snacks at lunch. That That is amazing. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I just think like being a Christian and an ambassador of the gospel to me has way less to do with what you need to say mm. and way more to do with are you willing to listen I would argue that we are living in a famine of people being heard right now. Mm -hmm. And if you go out and sincerely are interested in those at your workplace, and I'll tell people, listening is the biggest key to evangelism. Mm -hmm. It's number one, listening to God. God, would you speak? Would you give me opportunities? And then number two, it's listening to people saying, hey, how are you? Mm -hmm. That question alone mm -hmm. has literally opened so many doors. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll ask people from baristas, to my barber, hey, how are you? And then they kind of do the quick, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I'm like, no, 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 but really, are you? How are you? Mm -hmm. And people literally just start crying or opening up. 
I'm meeting with an atheist right now who was my server two weeks ago and we're texting every day and he's questioning God and I'm the first person in his life that has made time for him and I'm not doing anything magical. Hmm. I'm just trying to listen. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to uh, validate and encourage him, tell him I'm praying for him. Mm -hmm. But a practical example of this is I have two friends that are senior designers at Nike. Okay, mm -hmm. Nike, not known for being the most... You know, mm -hmm. Christian, Jesus-centered company. Not, They're great. I love not Nike Not a Bible shoes. study in every yeah. conference room? Yeah, okay. but these guys have been in and leading a Bible study for 35 years at Nike. Huh. And for 35 years, they've been impacting their workplace just by simple things, being a good person, being kind, mm -hmm. being a listener, loving other people. Now, they have countless stories of impact, mm -hmm. but one of these designers this summer for the first time, I think maybe in Nike's history, they're releasing a shoe named after the designer. Wow. And so literally it's called Welcome to Wilsonville, this shoe. <laughs> and it's a shoe he designed in the 90s. And they said, Wilson, you've been such a legend at Nike. He's one of the first black designers at Nike. Incredible man, kind man. He's an instructor at uh, University of Oregon. Hmm. Brilliant man. And they said, Wilson, we're going to put a quote. What quote do you want in the shoe and in the shoe box? Gives him a passage from Philippians. Hmm. And so it's just like you don't have to be – Preacher man, preacher mm -hmm. woman. You don't have to wear a Jesus t-shirt to work. You don't have to have, you know, even bring your Bible to work day. Like if you do that, do it. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But honestly, the biggest impact mm -hmm. is are you willing to be a friend? Mm -hmm. Now, friendship means talking to them about what matters. Yeah. And if your faith matters to you, then don't hide it. Yeah, that's so cool. It makes me think of, um, I actually have one of my dear friends who just last month gave a kidney to my sister. And it is like, all of a sudden, doors are open because no one can believe that she would do this. And she's just like, God straight up told me to do it. Yeah. I've had no fear about this. This is what I was told to do by God. And she'll show the scriptures yes. that she read. And people are just floored because acts of integrity, acts yes. of selflessness, yeah. doing hard things is like a beacon. It's like a megaphone well, saying- I'm, I'm telling hey, people to give fruit snacks and you're saying <laughs> give kidneys. So wherever you're at on that spectrum, <laughs> yeah, God can use exactly. it. Exactly. Just start small, you know, start small, <laughs> be faithful. God will use it. So I think that's so, so cool because again, a lot of people will get worked up about like, well, what if I don't have the right things to say? Or what if they ask me something about the Bible that I don't understand? And they like freak out. And that's why it's so great. I mean, there are people that, you know, you can direct them to to help answer questions. You don't have to have all the answers. You could yeah. say that's actually a great question. And that would be, you know, something we could maybe find out together. And for sure. So it makes it a little But that whole you're the only one that might be that friendship connection to them, whether yes. it's at work or in your neighborhood or at the gym or whatever. Yeah. I think that's so important. All right. In the last couple minutes here, we got to talk about Together 22 because we referenced um, Explo 72. And, uh, you know, okay, y'all, your parents were maybe there, your grandparents, whatever, depending on who you are. But this is happening now. And so, Nick, tell us, why the vision for this happening in this time, in this place? Who's going to be there? What can people expect? Yeah, I mean, the lineup's insane. It's free. I mean, we have messages, everybody from Francis Chan to Tony Evans, Josh McDowell, um, artists like Cray, Chris Tomlin, Crowder, uh, Miel San Marcos, Israel Houghton, Tasha Cobb. Hmm. It's going to be a, a massive celebration of hope. And, uh, and the, the goal of the whole thing is to help people feel confident talking about Jesus mm -hmm. because it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. We mm -hmm. live in a world that tells us you shouldn't talk about this. Yeah. But to me, this is the good news. This is the hope we have in Christ. And it, I don't think we should be content with a Christianity that allows us to pretend to follow the greatest thing ever mm -hmm. while never telling anybody. Mm-hmm. I think we share good things mm -hmm. and either this is a good thing or it's not. Yep. And so the goal of this is to equip people and then to send them home with a plan. It's for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's especially targeting um, those that are, you know, 18 or in their 20s. Um, those crowds are going to especially love it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we even have some, you know, Dallas Jenkins from The Chosen is going to be there. We're premiering a documentary there. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of cool stuff happening at this event. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the goal of it really is to send people home. We have people coming from all 50 states. Mm -hmm. People are going to live stream it as well. People can check that out online. Um, 
I just would say our prayer and the reason I'm doing this, the reason our team is doing this is I just think we're living in the greatest evangelistic opportunity, maybe in the history of the world. Hmm. I think that people have never been hurting like they are now, and people have never been more open than they are now. They're open to people who care. They're open to people who will listen. I've never seen more people come to Jesus than I have in the last two years. Yeah. And yet in the midst of that, my conviction is that Christians have never been more loud mm. about stuff that doesn't matter mm-hmm. and more silent mm-hmm. about the hope we have in Jesus. Mm. And so if you're the type of person listening to this and you're posting about mask mandates or vaccination mm-hmm. status <laughs> or your favorite politician mm-hmm. and you're loud about all of the other things around, mm-hmm. but you're not loud about Jesus... I just would lovingly encourage you to say people around you are hurting and they need hope mm-hmm. and they need the gospel. Yeah. And by God's grace, he calls and, and wants to use us. Awesome. Well, we are going to make this link available. We want to make sure that you guys get all the info you need, because as Nick said, uh, you can live stream this. Some of you are like, wait a minute, that's next week. Um, some of you don't have anything going on. Okay, so just make it happen. Okay, yeah, <laughs> whether man, you live stream, is, whether is... you show up, whatever. I mean, this is going to be super great. And road so, trip, do road it. Road trip, do it. Yeah, just make it happen. You guys can grab a few friends and make it happen. Um, go to boundless.org, search for 750. That's this week's show. You're going to see the link right there, which is together22, the numbers 22.pulse.org. Um, we will have the the link there in case you're driving or running or whatever and you you can't write that down so um again boundless.org just go to 750 and you're going to see all the info that you need on this event right there so don't let another 50 years go by until you can be part of something really cool like this so nick thank you so much not only for together not only for um reset not only for the other things that you've done but just for really being passionate about making jesus christ known in every place that you live work and play hey honored to be here Folks, we are here for this week's inbox, and I am going to answer this week's question, which is another relationship question. We always love it when those come in. And so uh, here we go. Our listener says, I have been going on dates for a couple months with the same guy, and we've been averaging about one date per week. Should I bring up our relationship status or wait on him to define our relationship? Well, I appreciate your intentionality in this and you looking uh, to get some clarity. And so I guess my answer for you in light of what you're saying here is that it kind of depends on what you want. So do you want to define the relationship? Are you feeling like it's been enough time and you're still feeling a little ambiguity there? Um, Do you want to spend more time with this guy? I mean, you know, a date a week looks like you've been on about eight dates at this point. So, um, you know, is there something that you want more? You want to kind of ramp it up a little bit? So I would say, I mean, at this point, it sounds like with the amount of dating you've been doing, you're pretty much a free agent. Nothing here has been established in that sense. But does this guy know that? I mean, it probably would be good to just have a little bit of clarity if he thinks you guys are oh, this is, we're dating a lot and we're kind of exclusive. And you're like, um, I feel like we just have these scheduled dates. So I think maybe being on the same page or getting
getting some clarity there is good. As far as like inappropriateness or, you know, anything where I'd say, oh, the level of, you know, connection is way more than the level of commitment, which, you know, I I say that often, um, that's problematic. It's not as concerning for me with this guy because he's not excessively spending time with you with no defining elements to the relationship. It sounds like it's still pretty casual. But the ball is in your court at this point to say, hey, you know, I've enjoyed these eight dates that we've been on or the couple months that where we've been getting to know each other. I just want to make sure, you know, hey, is that is that still cool with you? What are you thinking? And then really, you have to decide, do you want to continue this pattern of like a date a week? And that's kind of where it is, because I would say, yeah, six months down the road, you probably don't want to be doing this same thing. You want to have a little bit of clarity, but you know, you're at the two month mark. And so it is a little bit more of a optional call at this point. So again, uh, just think of the tension where you are. Um, Are you feeling like something else has to be defined? Are you thinking you kind of want to move to getting to uh, know this guy a little bit more, making a little more exclusive? Then I would say definitely a conversation needs to happen. But um, in the meantime, I would say, yeah, you know, it is kind of one of those situations where you are just dating, you're going on dates. And so you are are free to go out with other people or kind of be I mean, I guess if you started dating some other guy, this guy would be like, hey, what are we doing? You know, so um, but it's probably better to actually force that conversation instead of letting him find out in that way. So hopefully, uh, you'll be able to get some clarity on this. Again, kudos to you for wanting to be doing this in a way that has integrity and in a way that honors him, as well as guarding your own heart. So um, definitely, you know, move forward as you see fit. All right. Well, hopefully that is helpful for you. Uh, Folks who are listening, uh, those of you, I always like to once in a while give out a little shout for um, making sure that you know that we love it when you review The Boundless Show on Apple Podcasts. Because again, getting those reviews in and allowing people to see how you're interacting with the show maybe gives them uh, the opportunity or the willingness to try the show for themselves. So let's bring more people into the fold, get them listening to The Boundless Show and being part of the conversation. So pop over to Apple Podcasts, leave your review, and say hello to us in the meantime. Hi, I'm Lisa Anderson, and I will see you around next week for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. Do you ever wonder what it was like to meet Jesus face-to-face? The miracles, the teachings, the long-awaited Messiah in the flesh. It's all in a new novel by Focus on the Family called The Chosen, I Have Called You by Name, based on the hit streaming series. Immerse yourself in first century Galilee. Experience the Savior through the eyes of his followers. You'll want to dive deeper into scripture with every page turn. Learn more about The Chosen novel at focusonthefamily.com slash chosen. That's focusonthefamily.com slash chosen.